1: It's Curious City. Where we take your questions. About Chicago and the region. And investigate. Report. Explore. From WBEZ. Earlier this
0: summer, Sofia Villella was on an afternoon run in a park near Foster Beach when she saw something strange. I saw a lot of people were setting up with blankets, dancing with fire and spinning fire and doing all these sorts of like miraculous moves that I'd never seen before. Yep, you heard her right. They were dancing with fire in the middle of the park. And I, I kind of grabbed one of the, the families that was approaching. I asked them, I was like, what, what is all this? And she was like, oh, it's the Full Moon Jam. Like, they do this every month. And I was like, what? And I wanted to know how this all came to be. Who started it? Who runs this? And how is this sustained? I'm Curious City reporter Monica Eng and I recently invited the organizers of the Full Moon Jam to WBEZ Studios. They came to meet our question asker and tell her how this fiery tradition got started and was almost extinguished. But after 15 years, it blazes brighter than anyone could have ever imagined. It's even on the Chicago Park District website. So how did this all happen? I'll let Liz Campanella start.
1: In 2004, a group of us got together for a birthday party on the lakefront. We decided to grill a rabbit, spin some fire, play some drums, and had fun underneath the big full moon that was happening on the lakefront.
0: So rabbit grilling on the beach is one thing. But if you don't know what spin some fire means, it's fire dancing. Organizer Mike LaHood explains.
2: So fire dancing uses different props that carry liquid fuel
0: in them. Props like fire hula hoops, fire swords, and fire whips. So on that first night, the fire got the attention of local cops fast. But Campanella says it wasn't so bad.
1: It seems that the police really enjoy watching fire swords along with people hula hooping with fire. They stayed and they thought that it was such a great experience for the community. People were jogging by, they were stopping, they were watching, people with their dogs, that they actually asked us to come back the next month, which was kind of mind-boggling to all of us. So we came back next month. We'd invite all our friends, and I personally would walk around with a piece of paper and a pen and collect every single email address and then add them to a listserv. The first year, I think the maximum amount of people we had was 60. The next year grew to about 150. And now we're way over 800, 900, 1,200 people, depending on the month. But as those crowds grew, so did scrutiny
0: from the city. This meant attention from local cops, then their commander, then the aldermen, who were actually pretty cool about it. Because they noticed it was making the park
1: safer at night. But then there was a point that we got big enough that downtown started wondering about us. The actual city of Chicago and all the government officials that exist here and all the laws.
0: So in the summer of 2013, the city demanded the jam either get permits and insurance or call the whole thing off. It was time to go legit.
2: But with that came a brand new price tag. So we had to reach out to the community and say, hey, we need your help. And almost overnight, I think it was within 24 hours, the community raised the $3,000 that we needed that year to finish out the season.
0: Now they have a foundation that takes donations, organizes permits, and has turned the jam into an official nonprofit with plans to train other communities on their model. And on jam night, this model runs like a well-oiled machine. I asked organizers to talk me through it and then went to check it out myself.
2: So the organizers arrive on site probably around 530, 545. Hey, Good to see you. Good and we get ready for safety training. Who is here for level two safety training? Hey, I'm Hoodie. We've trained. At this point, we're probably closing in on 1,500 people. Right. Let's walk this way, level one Level one and by the time we get the fuel depot set up and start setting up the circle, there are a lot of people there ready to lay down their picnics. 630, Innersense Healing Arts Collective, runs community yoga uh, right by the lake.
0: Go ahead and lift your hips up into a downward-facing dog type of position.
2: And that is a wonderful gift they bring.
0: Chandra nama your turn
2: time. And the drum circle starts going.
1: The drums are probably actually people's first introduction to a full moon jam because you'll hear the drums long before you see the fire. That's organizer Mitchie Troda.
2: The drum circle we call the heartbeat of the jam, the one commonality everyone shares throughout the night. So people start dancing and they start moving at around seven. You know, everyone's just hanging out, bringing gifts, sharing, having a good time together, chatting. When we call everyone who's performing back to the safety area, we just count off
1: two, three,
2: and that's just kind of our signal that we're getting ready to start.
0: That is ready to start fire dancing. This is when dozens of folks in costumes walk to one end of this huge roped-off circle.
2: So the Great Circle itself is kind of a long oval, about maybe 80 yards. And we have about eight stations where fire dancers go and dance. So you may see hoops, dragon staves. Uh, One of the classic props is poi, where you'll have a chain. So it looks like you have balls of fire dancing around you on the end of a string.
0: On this night, more than 100 dancers circulate in and out of the eight performance spots. It culminates with a band of fire breathers who shoot huge flames into the air like human dragons. Then another act. A guy with six foot long whips starts cracking flames into the night sky.
1: And then right at about 10 o'clock is the last call. All the fire dancers come out. They do a big bow. Everyone cheers and says thank you. And then cleanup happens, and then you go home.
0: Today, the jam has become a Chicago tradition. And it attracts visitors from across the nation.
1: The jam has created such an amazing community in Chicago, and it has fostered community throughout the whole United States. We just had no idea it would grow to where it is today.
0: Organizer Michael Hood isn't a founder, but he's been leading the jam for many years. This summer, he's moving across countries, so it's going to be his last season with the jam.
2: And I'm proud that the first thing I ever did was coming in and hearing those drumbeats from a distance and immediately being accepted, being able to come in, add my voice, and accept other people in. And I'm going to be heading out uh, in a couple of weeks, and... Uh, <laughs> Leaving the jam and hearing those drums, it's, it's a wonderful thing to know that I came in with those drums and uh, and I'm gonna leave with those drums Keep still going.
0: Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. Our audio producer is Jesse Dukes. Our digital producer is Catherine Nagasawa. Mackenzie Crosson is our intern. Jessica Popovac edited this story. And I'm Monica Eng. Next time on Curious City, are Lake Michigan's very high water levels due to climate change? Well, maybe, but not necessarily. But a warmer atmosphere does mean more
1: intense storms. So the more intense storms means larger waves, and larger waves means more damage to structures along the shore.
0: How climate change is affecting and not affecting Lake Michigan. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City.